Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. And we, we hope that you've entered here today with an attitude of thankfulness. And praise God that we truly, truly have so much to be thankful for. And with that in mind, I'd like to pray so we can get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. God, we thank you for the words that, that you are faithful and true. As our Redeemer, you have given us so much, so much to be thankful for. And Lord, we, we enter here this morning. Father, we ask that you would just be with us, that God, you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. And that, Lord, we wouldn't just hear, but, God, we would act upon what you talk to us about, what you speak to our hearts about today. And Father, we give this time to you, and, Lord, we, just, uh, we, we invite you to be here with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to begin a series on moving forward. And as we look around us, everybody's moving forward. This is not a political spot, by the way. But we are moving forward, and we don't have a choice. Some of us move a little quicker than others, but nonetheless, we're all moving forward. And we need to think about, as a church, are we moving forward to impact the community? Or, or even in our current pastor search, you know, we have to understand that we are moving forward, that God wants us to move forward, and we need to also move forward individually. If you've looked in the bulletin, you've seen the insert, you already know that we're going to be talking about a real popular subject today, forgiveness. And we love that subject. And, and today I've listed for you basically some, some talking points that I want you to be able to go home with. And that way you'll be able to focus more on the message and not have to look up, do I need to fill this in now? But rather just to be able to hear what God would say. And I want to suggest that in order for us to move ahead to the life God is calling to us, calling us to, this will be one of, if not the biggest hurdle for many of us to get beyond, to be able to set the stage to move forward. Now I want to clarify something, that this series, and especially today's message, is not intended to berate us or to make us feel guilty, but rather I want us to help let go of the negative things in our lives and take hold of the, take hold of the blessings that God has for us. Now, I'm a visual learner, so I want everybody to grab a pen or a piece of paper in one of your hands and hold it up so I can see you're participating. John's scrambling. There he is. Okay. <laughs> hold that pen in a closed fist. Hold it real tight. Now with that same hand, grab a piece of paper, pick something up with that same hand. With that same hand. You can't use your little fingers. You can't open your fingers up like little crabs. You just got to grab it. Grab it. It's, it's hard to, isn't it? It's impossible. See, that's the whole point. <laughs> Danielle's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. This is the point of the, the silly exercises for us to see that when we're holding on to something old, when we're holding on to that thing, we cannot grasp hold of the new. We can't grasp hold of the blessings that God wants to bestow upon us. So we have to release something. We have to let it go. And we're going to talk about that some more here in a minute. I want to share a story with you um, that you've probably heard before about Corey Tinboom. She relates a story about in, in 1947 she was in a church in Germany. 
retelling the story about the things that had happened to her in one of the prison camps uh, that she was a part of at Ravensbrook. And as she got through telling her story and recounting what God had done for her and her sister, everybody quietly got up and started exiting out the back except for one man. He had grabbed his hat, grabbed his coat, and started approaching her. And she recognized him as one of the guards at the concentration camp there that she had been a part of. He came forward and said, your message was great. Talked about forgiveness. And he said, I was a guard at Ravensbrook at the same time that you were there. And he didn't remember her. However, she clearly remembered who he was. It's kind of hard to forget those people that, that treat you so horribly. But he said in that time from when he had come out of the concentration camp as a guard to now, to this point, he'd become a Christian. He had asked Christ into his life and asked for that forgiveness that only God can give. And so he extended his hand to Corey and said, I'm asking, sister, for your forgiveness. And this is what she said. As I stood there, I whose sins had again and again been forgiven... And could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he ease her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It cannot have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition. That we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily exercise. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It's as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flow, excuse me. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and I, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And this is the very point of the message today. If we want to experience the life that God is calling us to, we need to die to self. You know, self doesn't want to forgive those who have offended us. Self doesn't want to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And self doesn't want to forgive those who have wronged us. And one of the toughest areas for us to die to self and gain the life that God has for us is in the area of holding on to things God has called us to let go. 
In fact, if you look at John 12, 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, that is a great promise for us. That God is asking us to lay things down so that we can take up the life that He wants for us. And it's a life of, fruitful, a life of fruitfulness. A life of well-being that He has for us. And we can't bear fruit if we don't die to self. If we hold on to those things we have been called to release, we won't be able to get our hands onto the blessings of the Lord. Just like holding on to the pen or the piece of paper and trying to take something new. You can't do it without opening your hand and letting go. Again, <clears throat> this isn't the typical message on forgiveness, and I think we've all been a part of them. You know, the, those where, um, where the speaker, where the pastor would say, you must forgive. If you have anybody in this room that you know that you have a fault against or they've done something to you, you've got to go and find them at the end of the service and, and ask their forgiveness. That's not what this is about. Now, there's a time and a place for that message. But today, I want us to focus on us. We're focusing kind of inwardly here. Because the goal at the end of this series is to be able to focus outside those doors. But before we can go out there, we've got to take care of what's here. We've got to take care of what's here. Today is about us. It's about you and me being able to move forward by letting go of unforgiveness. So if you look at your... Your insert there, forgiveness is not a good idea. It's not a good idea. It's the express will of God. It's not just a good idea. It's not like gravity. It's not a good idea. It's the law. Gravity is the law. Forgiveness is not a good idea. It's the express will of God. And in fact, any time that Christ mentioned forgiveness, he didn't say it as, this is a good suggestion. He didn't say, you know, it's merely a good idea, but rather it's a command for us to follow. So if you'll turn to Mark eleven twenty three through 26 and follow along with me. And we'll back up to verse 22. And Jesus said, answered saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he said is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Now those are some great verses. And we have faith in God, and we can say to our troubles, you know, go away from us. Be, be, be aside so that we can claim the promises that God is for us. But then there's a couple of verses after that that we have to pay attention to. Verse 25 says, whenever you stand praying, what does it say? Forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. God commands us to forgive even as we are praying. And I, I feel very certain and believe that God commands us, that Christ commands us in this instant to pray because it opens up communication between us. It opens up the line of communication between us and the Lord. Because if we are coming to the Lord in prayer, in that very intimate time when we are proclaiming that we need things or praying for somebody else that, that they may need something, we're seeking the Lord in prayer, that if we come and we have a grudge or we have unforgiveness within our hearts, I truly believe that our prayers will be hindered. 
we have to obey and give forgiveness. We give forgiveness for the benefit of our relationship to God. You know, this takes dying to self, and, and truthfully, that's not easy. It's not easy to die to ourselves. Because why? Self wants to exact its own brand of revenge. We have all had those times when we've been, been offended and hurt. Somebody talks about your mama. Somebody talks about your dog, whatever it is, but somebody somewhere has offended you somehow. You know, we want to get them back. That's in our nature. That's who we are. You've done me wrong. I'm going to do you wrong times two. And so what do we do? You know, it, it, maybe not you, but it's people that you know. They want to be this way. They want to exact that same hurt, and they say, well, let me tell you about his mama. Or I'm going to tell you what, I'm just not even going to talk to that person. I'm not even going to talk to him. And so when we, when we die to self, we lay that desire to get revenge at the feet of Jesus and trust that he is going to take care of it and that he's going to take care of us. And in fact, Romans 12, 19 says, Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. When you read that verse, don't get a little sick thought in your head that, oh, God's going to take care of him. He is, but it's going to be for his benefit. It's going to be for his glory. You're going to reap the benefit out of that if you let God do what he said he will do. Let God have the revenge. We need to leave room for God to work on our behalf. And that's the beauty of letting God have control and not taking matters into our own hands. When somebody messes with us, they're going to have to answer to our daddy. And I know that my daddy is bigger than anything that I'm facing. And he's going to take care of whatever comes my way, as long as I release it to him. And when Jesus commands us to forgive, it's not that he doesn't care what happened to us. And I want to make this point very clear. God cares very deeply about his children. He doesn't make light of what we go through. When, we, when he became Lord of our life, he became Lord of our junk too. He became Lord of the things that people have done to us. And he cares very deeply when one of his children have been hurt. And like any parent here, any of us would stand up when our kids are being hurt. We would take care of our children. God does the same. And in fact, he's not saying just get over it. I'm sure there's been times that we've wanted to say that to our kids. Just get over it. But that's not who God is. And in fact, he says give it to me now because I care for you. And if you look at 1 Peter 5, 7, it tells us to cast all of our care Cast all of our anxiety onto Him because why? He cares for you. That is a promise to claim this morning, church, that God cares for us. And what a great assurance that no matter what we go through, no matter what we're facing, we serve a God who cares and wants to see us move forward from the pain we have experienced. He cares about what we go through. He doesn't make light of it. And not only does He care, here's another great point. He will take it and work it for our good. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about a guy named Joseph. Had a real colorful coat. Definition of his name was spoiled brat. Remember that guy? Well, there's plenty of reason within Joseph to be angry and to want to exact revenge upon his brothers for the things that they did to him. But instead, what did he do? He gave the hurt and he gave the pain that his brother caused him over to the Lord and what happened? He was able to tell his brothers that what they meant to hurt him was for their good, and it was for the saving of many lives. In fact, 
It was to save their lives. That they wanted to get rid of their brother, and God said, no, no, I have a greater plan. And Romans 8.28 tells us, you know, it makes it very clear that God works all things together for our good. It doesn't mean that what happened to us was good. It doesn't mean that the thing that, that they did to us was great. There's still pain there, and there's still hurt there. But what it means is that God is going to take that episode in our life, if we give it over to Him, and He's going to turn it around for our good, just like Joseph, just like numerous other stories in the Bible, and I'm sure you have some of your own. But when we give that up to the Lord, He's going to work it together for our good. And, and I want to point out again that the hurt and the pain that you've suffered is very real. It's there. We don't make light of it. God doesn't make light of it. He works it together for our good. And I tell you, that really sounds like somebody who cares what we go through in life. He cares what happens to us. Another point for us to take notice of, it, when we cast our cares on the Lord and we, we give Him our worries and our hurts, that no one who has ever trespassed against a child of God has or ever will win. You know, the, the enemy is going to lie to us. And he's going to say, you know what? If you grant them forgiveness, they're going to think they've won. They're going to think that what they've done was okay. And that's not the case at all. They may think that, but what we have to stand on is the fact that when we, when we give that hurt over to the Lord, God wins. God wins. The battle isn't ours, and we don't fight against flesh and blood. The Bible tells us very clearly that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And we can rest assured that when we release our offense to the Lord, He will fight for us. He will fight for us. He, in fact, is not saying forgiveness is a good idea or a suggestion, but it is absolutely His plan for us. Forgiveness is God's plan for us. And God will get us to where He has designed us to go if we will release the offense to Him. There's a condition here. If we want to get into that life of obedience and where God has designed us to go individually and where God has designed Sequoia Hills to go, we have to give up our hurts and our offenses to Him. And we cannot harbor that bitterness. We can't harbor that unforgiveness. Like Corey Tinboom said in her story, that if you hold on to it, you become an invalid. God wants us to move forward. We should want to move forward. As a word picture here, the, the word forgive, in fact, means to send away. It means to let go, to release. And so when we say, God, I forgive that person. Lord, I forgive what they've done to me. Whether they're in the room or not, whether you actually tell them I forgive you, you make that commitment between you and the, and the Lord, and you say, God, I give it to you. He takes it. You send, it. you send the offense away to Him. And we can't let go if our hands are holding tight to the pain that others have caused us. If we tie ourselves to the actions or words of others, it's like an anchor weighing us down and we aren't able to move forward with the Lord. And that's the, one, one of the whole points of coming to faith in Christ is to move forward. It's our job as the church to take the church to the people outside, but if we're so bitter and so angry and so frustrated within ourselves, we're no good outside these walls. And God wants us to release those things and lay them down and come to Him and say, God, help me. So instead of being tied down this way, we need to tie ourselves to the Lord because one thing is for sure, that no enemy will keep you from experiencing God's plan. No enemy will keep you from experiencing God's plan. 
And again, there's the condition. You have to release the offense to the Lord. You cannot hold on to it. We trust and release the offense and the offender into God's hands, and we die to the desire to get them straight. Um, Again, not you. It's those people that we mentioned earlier that want to get people straight. You know, they have in their mind, they have in their heart, oh, he needs to give me a heartfelt apology. You know what? I just want to see their life turn to ruins. That's a real good attitude to have, isn't it? God, get them. <laughs> or we may be saying, I want to get them. But holding them in unforgiveness with the hope that my attitude will force that result to happen is pointless. It's absolutely pointless. Now here's a question for you. Did you know that having a bad attitude towards somebody doesn't destroy their life? Have we figured that out yet? Have we? We can't destroy somebody else's life with our attitude. We do not have the power to change somebody. And it's futile to think that we do. It's futile for us to think that, oh, I've got the power, and in my bad attitude, they're going to change. They're going to do what I need them to do. No, that's not the case at all. In fact, we don't have the power, and it's our life that we're destroying. It's our life that we're destroying. You go back to that story from Corey Tinboom. You don't release the forgiveness. You don't let that go. You destroy your own life. So God commands us to give them over to the one who has the power to change lives and amen that he has power to change lives and when God commands us to forgive it's a gift it's a gift so that we can move on to where he has designed us to be if we are constantly holding on to something God wants us to release to him we are never going to get where he is taking us I'm trying not to make this Debbie Downer message but the point is is that we need to let go and, and to avoid being cliche we let go and let God but it's so much more than that. Again, we release the ropes tied to that anchor of unforgiveness and we're able to freely move where God is taking us. We can't give folks that have wronged us that much, that much of our life. Now, you may be sitting here saying to yourself, but Chris, you don't know how he ruined 15 years of my life. You don't know what they did to me and how it ruined my childhood. But I want to suggest to us this morning that if we don't release the unforgiveness, if we don't release them into the hands of the Lord, they're going to ruin the next 15 years of our life. And they're going to continue to ruin our lives until we say, God, enough is enough. I need you to help me out in this situation. We have to let it go. God wants us to experience the power He has, but as long as we are trying to keep hold of their life and making their life miserable, experiencing the power of God will never happen. It won't happen in our lives when we're holding on to the, to the grudge and we won't see it individually and we won't see it corporately. We won't see God's power when we hold on to that anger, when we hold on to that unforgiveness. So what does it mean? It means that if you want to experience life, you have to die to self. And that's why the Bible commands us to forgive. And Jesus told a story, great story, that really points this out quite emphatically. We've got to trust Him. And one of the ways we do that is we die to self through forgiveness. Kind of building up. And here, 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 comes, the, here comes the point. We die to ourself through forgiveness. And the story, if you look in Matthew 18, go ahead and turn there. Starting in verse 15, 
Jesus is saying that if your brother sins against you, go to him and be reconciled to him. Take the steps necessary. You know, we're, we're talking here about reconciliation with others, but I, what I want us to look at today is what do we do with those who offend us? And either one, are proud that they've offended us, or two, they have no recollection, or they don't care. What do we do with them? What do you do when you're dealing with people who are in complete denial that they have wronged you? So what I want to do is I want us to take a look at what the Bible teaches about forgiveness and that it's not a good idea, but rather it is God's expressed will. Look with me in verse 21. I love Peter. He reminds me of me. Then Peter came and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And we know how spiritual Peter was, so he says up to seven times. Using that good heavenly number, seven. You know, his point is, okay, God, I can do it once, I can do it twice, but if you'll give us a limit to how many times, and on that number eighth time, if he does it again, oh, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. You know, Peter is asking for hoops to jump through. Peter is asking, God, how long do I have to suffer it? Because I'm getting real tired. And what does Jesus say in response? He says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Some translations say 77 times. So what's the point? What is, what is Christ saying here? He's not giving us a number of times we should be counting. Number 25, we're, we're getting there. We're a third of the way there. Number 50, we're getting closer. That's not what Christ was saying because if you think 70 times seven... That's 490. And think of all the time that you're going to waste counting how many times that person has offended you so that you can say, you're mine. That's not the point. That's not the point. You know what's right. You know what's right. For this reason, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. Now, do you know how, many, how much 10,000 talents is? If you think about it in today's money, let's just say a talent is worth $2,000. Just to give a f frame of reference, times 10000 this slave had a loan of $20 million. And he says to his master, what does he say there? Be patient with me. Be patient with me and I will repay you everything. Okay. He doesn't have $20 million to repay. He's asking for a little bit of extension so he can get his passport and get out of the country. Start a new life somewhere else. This is his plan. He's got an escape plan. But what does it say? And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. This is the kingdom of heaven. We have a debt that we cannot pay. And Christ came and said, I'm going to forgive you of that debt. Your $20 million, my $20 million, thank God was written off at the cross. And we can gain victory in that this morning that, you know what, I'm not going to hold. I'm not going to hold somebody's unforgiveness 
because of what Christ did on the cross. Well, let's see what happens when we do hold on to that. That slave went out, verse 28, and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and he began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. Verse 30 says, but he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. In comparison, the slave owed the other slave. John owed me 20 bucks. Not really. John owed me 20 bucks. And I've gone out to find him. God has forgiven me 20 million. And now I see John walking down the street. and He owes me $20, so I'm going to go and wring his neck until he gives me 20 bucks. But what does he say? He says, let me get my next paycheck and I'll give you $20. And I'm unwilling to forgive it and say, you know what? Don't worry about it. You can take me out to lunch next week. The point is, is that we have been forgiven so very much. And that when we hold on to even the minutest detail of what somebody has done to us, and again, the hurt and the pain, I understand, is very real. But when we hold on to it, we're the ones put into prison. Because if you go on to read the rest of that story, the other slaves saw what happened and they reported to the king and said, you forgave him $20 million and he just went out and choked the life out of somebody for 20 bucks. And the king was angry and threw him in prison. There's never a hope to repay $20 million when you're stuck in prison. And it's the same for us when we hold on to the unforgiveness, when we hold on to the anger that somebody has caused to us, we will never repay it. We will never repay the debt that God has given to us. Let's go on. When you release the hurts others have caused, you are positioning yourself to receive the Lord's healing and blessing. And the hurt, again, is very real. The impact of what they did is very real. But the great thing is is that God is going to pour grace and power into you to bring you to a place of healing and blessing and wholeness. Healing is a process, and God wants to teach us through the process how we walk with Him. He will get you to the place where the memory of that person and of what that person did to you, how you were mistreated, how you were wronged, how you were taken advantage of, He will get you to the place where that memory doesn't sting as much as it used to. The great thing about the process is that along the way we get to learn about God's love and His grace and the mercy that He pours out upon us daily. You know, God's plans are too big, too big for us to be stuck in a place of unforgiveness. God's plans for this church are too big for us as individuals, for us as close to 200 people here this morning, to be stuck in a place of unforgiveness. There is a community that needs the Lord. There is a world that needs the Lord. And if we stay inside these walls, stuck in the muck and mire of unforgiveness, we will not move forward with Him. When we lay down our desire for revenge, God will remove the bondage of unforgiveness. As we talked about earlier, it's like an anchor that weighs us down. God wants to set us free to enjoy His plan and purpose for our lives, to bring us through to a place of healing. And He's going to teach us lessons about His love and His grace. 
And we will come to the point where we can look at those who have offended us and we'll look them in the eye and say, you did not destroy my life. And they can't destroy your life because you've given your life into the hands of the Lord. I want to close with this, that your life is not in the hands of man. Your life isn't even in your hands, but your life is in the hands of God. That's what we have to remember today. You know, denying self leads us to a blessed and powerful life. And when we release unforgiveness into the hands of God, we are in a position and we will be in a position to move, in, move forward individually as well as a church body. And you may be here today and have never even placed your life into, into the hands of the Lord. And it may be that you have a years old hurt that you need to lay down today and say, God, deal with it. Deal with it. Cast it off onto Him. If the Lord is speaking to you today, if He's speaking to your heart today, come up here and pray. John and I will be down here. Remember that this is a safe place and that you can speak to anybody next to you and ask them to pray with you. Oftentimes, the healing process, we just need to verbalize what's going on inside. And that can begin what God has in store for us. It may be that you've never given your life into the, life of, into the hands of the Lord. And that's the place where we need to start. Because you will not experience the freedom of forgiveness until you experience life in Christ. So right now is our time to respond. If God is speaking to you, come pray with us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we've learned about forgiveness. God, you've taught us about unforgiveness and God, what that does to us. Father, we don't want to be prisoners. We don't want to be trapped in a place where we cannot know your power. Father, as your children, we want to move forward and we want to have that life of blessing that you have promised us. So God, my prayers this morning, if anybody is here, that God, your spirit has been speaking to them, that God, they would step forward and say, Lord, forgive me and I release my unforgiveness. I forgive what they've done to me. I forgive for how they've spoken to me. God, deal with it because I need your help. So, Father, this morning as we have a time to pray and a time of response, God, I ask that you would just move in us. God, use us for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.